0: Welcome back to the Refugee Report. Let's talk about Venezuela. It faces an economic crisis worse than the Great Depression, and the Venezuelan Bolivar is the least valued currency in the world. In addition to this, the country is under the rule of Nicolas Maduro, who is increasingly oppressive and his government consistently violates human rights. Despite this instability, Venezuela used to be the richest country in South America with an internationally praised democracy. What happened? Before answering this, we would like to warn you that the information and audio presented may be disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Venezuela is a country on the northern end of the South American continent. It harbors parts of the Andes Mountains and Amazon Rainforest, and its coastline opens into the Caribbean Sea. Its unique geography and location makes it home to a wealth of natural resources. One such resource is oil. In fact, this is the largest oil deposit in the world. As you can imagine, this has made the region a global focus for years. Before this was the case, Venezuela was home to native groups who fished, hunted, and farmed throughout the country. This way of life was disrupted in 1498 when Christopher Columbus became the first European explorer to discover the area. Decades following this, many Europeans came to Venezuela in search of gold, resources, Or to enslave the native population soon spanish settlements were set up and slaves from africa were forcibly sent to the region this resulted in venezuela having a diverse set of ethnicities with many people of european african or native descent as a result venezuelan creoles developed their own identity and in 1797 venezuela became an independent republic from this point on there were numerous coups and dictatorships between the country's opposing parties It was not until the mid-20th century that Venezuela began to stabilize into a democracy. The 20th century was also when much of the region's oil deposits were discovered, causing the country to gain the attention of multinational corporations and other powerful countries. These oil resources are what allowed Venezuela to become the richest country on the continent. However, by 1998, Hugo Chavez is elected president. He was a socialist known as the president of the people due to his popularity among Venezuela's poor. He gained this popularity because he used the country's oil wealth to create policies and social programs intended to help impoverished citizens. Despite his efforts to improve the standard of living in Venezuela, his policies had severe long-term consequences. For one, the government made very few efforts to diversify the economy. This left Venezuela dependent on oil for profits, and dependent on imports for nearly all basic goods. Venezuela was so dependent on oil that by the end of the Chavez presidency in 2012, oil made up 95% of the country's exports. In addition, the government had numerous loans and was spending massive amounts of money throughout the 2000s. This sent the country into a deep debt. and meant Venezuela had no savings to safeguard against an economic crisis. This was especially dangerous because most Venezuelan industries were nationalized, meaning they were dependent on government assistance. When Chavez passed away in 2013, his chosen successor, Nicolas Maduro, was elected to office. He barely wins the election by a little over a percentage point. This highlights how controversial of a figure he is because the economic crisis hadn't even started at this point. However, Venezuela's economic well-being took a turn for the worse in 2014 when the price of oil dropped. Soon, the country could no longer afford much of the imports it was dependent on, leading to shortages in food, medicine, and other necessary supplies. The failing economy also meant the Venezuelan bolivar's value tanked, making it practically useless. This led to widespread protests throughout the country chaos and confusion on the streets of caracas anti-government demonstrations turn violent as protesters clash with security forces rocks and molotov cocktails thrown at police who respond with force dozens of people are arrested and the streets of the venezuelan capital turned into a battleground maduro quickly became an incredibly unpopular figure as more people lost access to food medical care and, ironically, gasoline. This was because the government struggled in continuing to subsidize so many industries and failed in stabilizing its currency. Along with the economic fallout, Maduro has continued to seize more power. When opposition parties won the majority of the National Assembly, the country's legislative branch, Maduro packed the Supreme Court with judges loyal to him. The Supreme Court then stripped the National Assembly of its power. He then called for an election for the National Constituent Assembly to rewrite the Venezuelan constitution. This election was considered fraudulent by experts and was filled with those in Maduro's party. This body has gone on to replace the National Assembly, eliminating opposition to his rule. Also, military officials have been given a special exchange rate of 10 bolivar for one U.S. dollar. This has allowed them to buy out food and sell it on the black market for profit. This has kept the military loyal to Maduro and has secured his control over the government. In 2018, Maduro set up another fraudulent election reinstating himself as president. Despite this, the large majority of the international community has declared the opposition leader, Juan Guaido, the legitimate president. However, even earlier this month, there was a sham election that re-elected Maduro's party to the National Assembly, so this is a trend that will probably continue in the country. This situation has created a massive exodus of Venezuelans going to different countries. According to the United Nations, around 5.4 million Venezuelans have fled since 2014. Some of you may be asking yourselves, how is this a refugee crisis? And isn't this mostly an economic issue? This is a valid point, and in some ways, you're right. Many Venezuelans that have left can be classified as migrants because they are leaving in search of work or better economic standing. Some are migrating because of Venezuela's lack of medical supplies. People who need insulin, cancer treatment, or medications have no choice but to go to other countries. The COVID-19 pandemic has only worsened this issue. Hospitals are understaffed because half of Venezuela's doctors have already fled the country. Also, there is only one lab in the entire country that is successfully conducting coronavirus tests. This has created a massive medical crisis on top of an economic crisis. This explains why so many have decided to migrate to other countries. However, there's a large portion of those who are leaving that can be classified as refugees. As I explained in an earlier episode, someone can become a refugee if they are fleeing persecution, not just war and conflict. In the case of Venezuela, there are numerous examples of persecution. The Maduro government has been increasingly oppressive, with government officials carrying out tortures, sexually assaulting citizens, in taking political prisoners. For example, Sergeant Luis Bandres and his fellow soldiers called on Venezuelans to oppose the rule of Nicolas Maduro. They were soon captured and imprisoned for insubordination. Listen to Luis's wife explain what he was subjected to. My husband was blindfolded and beaten with baseball bats. Two people forced his legs open and kicked his testicles. Every day for weeks he was electrocuted until he passed out. They threatened him by telling him my children and I would be next if he didn't confess. But if he had the courage to rise up against this dictatorship, I have to support him. Only one of the soldiers involved, Harry Solano, escaped capture. Despite this, his family was still captured, and imprisoned as retribution. First, they took his 63-year-old mother, his 73-year-old mother-in-law, my 19-year-old granddaughter and her boyfriend. They electrocuted them, beat them, asphyxiated them with plastic bags and sexually abused my granddaughter. After they released them, they took away my grandson, a policeman. It's been 19 days since we've heard from him. I wish that I could say this is an isolated incident, but it's not. Thousands of Venezuelans have fallen victim to human rights abuses such as these. In fact, the state of human rights in Venezuela is so bad that the United Nations published a scathing report in September outlining the past and ongoing atrocities. According to the report, in 2018 alone, Venezuelan security forces killed 5,287 people for, quote, resistance to authority. Also, it found that numerous people were killed during protests. According to the United Nations, if this trend is not reversed, then an unprecedented outflow of Venezuelan migrants and refugees will continue. In addition to human rights abuses, there is rampant crime in the country. Venezuela has the third highest murder rate in the world, making it unsafe to live in. These conditions have caused over 800,000 people to seek asylum in other countries. Most that have done so have ended up in Peru the United States, Brazil, Colombia, Ecuador, or Spain. Also, around 2.5 million people have migrated from Venezuela using other legal routes. This is a mixture of both migrants and refugees alike. Many refugees are taking this route since it can be easier than formally seeking asylum. Those refugees that end up in neighboring countries face a lack of work opportunities. Many of those who are able to get jobs often have to do menial work, despite many Venezuelans having higher degrees. These refugees also face xenophobia and targeted violence in their new countries. Some are even pushed into sex trafficking. The situation in Venezuela is worsening, and an increase in Venezuelan refugees should be expected. However, there is a lot of international focus, especially in the United States, regarding what is going on in Venezuela. Hopefully, this attention can bring about positive diplomatic progress. As with each episode, we want to recommend to organizations that you can support that are assisting affected Venezuelans. The first is AmeriCares. They are providing healthcare services to Venezuelans, which they are in desperate need of. The second is Amnesty International. They monitor human rights abuses and advocate for human rights. Their work is especially important in Venezuela right now. They will both be linked in the description. Although we do recommend to these organizations, it's important that you do your own research before spending your own money. That's it for this episode of The Refugee Report. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure you subscribe and share it with a friend follow us on all our social media accounts at wartime Aid. We greatly appreciate feedback regarding the podcast, so don't be afraid to email us or DM us on Instagram. We'd love to hear what you like and what you don't like about the podcast. Tune in next week to hear Harper explain the educational challenges faced by refugee girls. As always, thank you for listening.